Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of our AM Minnesota program. Joining me by telephone this morning is the Executive Director of the Rice County Historical Society, Dave Nichols. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. I'm so happy that you agreed to be on our show today because guess what? What? Today is Minnesota's birthday. You're absolutely right. Yeah, on this date in 1858, we became the 32nd state. So isn't that appropriate that we would have an historical guy on the show today? Well, we we certainly do our best. <laughs> yeah. Now, you took over. Sue Garwood was there for what? Uh, 20 years, something like that? She was there here for 20 years, yep. Uh, I I took over at the beginning of February. Right. As she moved to another country, actually. Yep. She uh, moved with her fiancé to New Zealand. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? New Zealand. That's one on my bucket list to go visit. Have you been there? I have not, but I've been asked by Sue many times to come out and visit so that uh, she can hear a normal accent. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose that she <laughs> knee deep in all that. Uh, but that's yeah, that's cool that she gets to. I mean, it's a completely different chapter in your life when you do something like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I like the daring. I like being daring there. But anyway, the Enabling Act for Statehood was passed in eighteen fifty seven. February of 1857, the state's constitution was written that summer, was ratified in October. Full statehood, of course, had been held up by, this is according to the Minnesota State Historical Society, full statehood had been held up by southern senators who wanted Kansas to enter the Union as a slave state. So then finally approved by Congress, the bill was signed by President James Buchanan, Word of statehood would not reach St. Paul until May 13th. That's how things traveled in those days, right? Yeah. I mean, the the telegraph system wasn't quite fully developed yet. You still had a lot of people delivering messages by a horse or, or on the train. So we we weren't quite entering the era of fast communication for a, a few four decades yet. Dave, how did you get your love of history? I got my love of history from my grandfather, of, of all people. Um, he was a Korean War vet and, uh, as you can imagine, was was very much into history, loved old war movies and Western movies and things like that. And uh, when I would, you know, visit and stay with them over the summers, we would we would watch those movies, and my grandpa would give me little history lessons along the way. Um, he'd pause the movie and explain about this particular thing that's happening, and and it always just fascinated me. And so it's stuck with me ever since. What do you think it is that fascinates you about it? Is it? I mean, do you think you we learn things from our past? To me, the thing that is the most fascinating about history is just 
getting to see how far we've come and and the way that people, all kinds of people, change and you know you see you see you you look at countries abroad or you look at America as we exist today it's really amazing to look back and see the progress and the steps that we've taken to get there and the weird twists and turns that that happen along the way that sometimes work out for the best sometimes don't but it's it's a fascinating ride dave the one constant in life is change that's what the study of history is um if if things don't change we're out of a job down here um you know that's that's part of what makes it fun another thing that's got to be cool to be the executive director of the Rice County Historical Society is just, and I know every place has its own history, but my, oh my, we've got how many buildings on the National Register of Historic Places in in Rice County? I'm not talking just Faribault now. I'm talking all of Rice we, County. We have 73 uh, National Register properties, um, which is the second largest in the state behind St. Paul. Yeah, and, you know, we're south of the Twin Cities. We have more than uh, Hennepin County, which is our biggest county population-wise, yep. right? Yep. So that's something to be yeah, proud we, of. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of things about the state of Minnesota that their history is tied up here in in Faribault and in Rice County. Um, you know, there are... One of the things that I like to say is that Rice County uh, is one of the few counties in Minnesota that can say we've gone to space. Um, the Sheldahl Corporation that was in Northfield helped create some of the technologies that went into the most recent NASA space satellite. Um, many of the Dakota nations that are in Minnesota today can tie back to Faribault after the U.S.-Dakota War. Um, the first Episcopal uh, bishop was here in in Faribault. I mean, we've got a lot to be proud of in Rice yeah. County. And frankly, just between you, me, and Dave, just between you and me, I, I've often thought that we should name our county Whipple County because because of that fact that you just stated and the fact that he appeared to be a very, very, very good man. And the guy we named our county after was kind of a chyster. I will leave that for other historians to uh, to debate. <laughs> All right. We've got a special event coming up, or I should say the Historical Society does, that Dave's going to tell us about in our next segment. Don't go away, Dave. i got to get a market update here, okay? Sounds good. We're going to take a couple-minute break here. Uh, I love it. Like a true politician there, right? He didn't want to. Anyway, our, uh, <laughs> our opening marker report is the service of Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nurse Strand. Craig helps protect all things important. He's speaking of good men. There's one right there. Nate at Insulation Services Incorporated, another good guy. You can discover all the advantages of spray foam or blown in insulation with Nate. Krennic Stump Grinding, another good guy. Chris. 
K-R-E-N-I-K is how you spell his name. Yep, you can get all details about Krennic Stump Grinding online at Krennic, K-R-E-N-I-K, stumpgrinding.com. Northland Buildings, quality post-frame construction. Head to the website, northlandbuildings.com. Matt's Roofing specializes in shingling projects. Over 100 years experience. My, oh, my. Give call to Troy if you're in the market for a roof. 507-838-2254. Soybeans and corn are lower. Cattle are mixed. Hogs are higher. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. Take your corn yields to the max with superior genetics and next-level performance. Explore one-of-a-kind hybrids from MX Series Corn by Stein. Learn more at steinseed.com. Soybeans were lower this morning. Conab raised its outlook for Brazil's crop again, and the weekly export sales numbers were, were bearish as Brazil continues to control the export market. Planning weather generally looks favorable over the next few days. That's a, an on-average thing, an in-aggregate thing. July beans are down five at thirteen ninety-nine. August is four and a half lower at thirteen thirty-two and a quarter. July meals up five dollars forty cents at four twenty-four ninety. July bean oils down sixty-seven points at fifty-one thirty-nine. Corn's lower. Conab increased its already record large guess for Brazil's second crop and total production. USDA's supply and demand report tomorrow is expected to show higher old crop stocks and big new crop stocks on corn. July's six and a half lower at 587 and a half. September's down six at 517. And wheat's lower with U.S. wheat sales a marketing year low with just about three weeks remaining. July Chicago six and three quarters lower at 634 and a half. Cotton's down and rice is mixed, both getting ready for tomorrow's uh, supply and demand estimates. Most active July cotton's down 28 at 80.48. July rice is too lower at 18.24. Live cattle are down and feeders are mostly higher, waiting for the rest of the week's direct business. June live's down 45 at 162.55. August is 17 lower at 161. August feeders are 65 higher at 225.80. And hogs are supported by oversold signals. Pork was weak yesterday. June leans up a dollar fifty-five at eighty-five seventy-two. July's a dollar seventeen higher at eighty-seven fifteen. And over in the broader market, crude oil is down sharply. We're online at brownfieldagnews.com. John Perkins, Brown AM Minnesota on the Mighty Nine Twenty KDHL. Dave Nichols is the executive director of the Rice County Historical Society. And, of course, that means he's in charge of the museum. If you have never been to the Rice County Historical Society Museum here in Faribault, I would highly recommend you could get lost in that place for days and not see everything. Right, Dave? That's what we try to do down here. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think so you do a very, we, uh, very good job of it. Thank you. Not a problem, but there is all kinds of stuff to see there, whatever your interest might be. Yeah, and we uh, we have a rule in our, our museum that we try to switch out at least two exhibits a year. So if, if you've been down before, come down again because there's bound to be something new. Yeah, well, the standbys there, the Schimmel pianos, which, by the way, were made in the building I'm sitting in right now. Yep. That's one of the old standards, right? We've got several Schimmel pianos. And people can actually sit in them and play? Uh, One of them is playable. During the county fair, we have uh, piano students from around the county come out, and anybody that happens to be in, if 
you know how to play the piano, you can sit on down and play. Uh, right. Even if you don't know how to play, you can sit down and play. Yeah, why not? I love it. And boy, uh, what era are we talking? When were those manufactured? Do you remember? Uh, well, the pianos that we have are mostly around the turn of the century, so okay. early 1910s. Wow, that's a long time ago. Sure is. Yeah, but boy, time flies, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, seriously, it does. I was uh, I was looking at some information on the Minnesota State Historical Society website. Do you remember much about, in your studies, the ginseng boom that happened here in Rice County? Oh, yes. Uh, 1850s, there was a big ginseng push, especially around the big woods. Um, actually, one of, the, one of the fascinating things about that is when Bishop Whipple was fundraising to start building the cathedral here in Faribault, um, part of how that got paid for was because of that big ginseng boom. Uh, it was it was trying to fundraise in the middle of a, a bit of a recession, and that boom is what helped get those last the last big push to get the cathedral built. Well, that's awesome. Of course, that's just a couple of blocks from where I'm sitting as well. Yep. You guys are having an annual spring flea market. I don't know if you know how long you've been doing it, but it's been a while, right? Uh, I think we've been at it. This is our seventh year i want to say okay it'll be on saturday may 20th from eight until two and boy spring or i should say any kind of flea markets popular these days aren't they they sure are yeah we're we're packed to the gills with vendors we (laughs) normally uh only have about 50 this year we've got over 65 wow that is awesome yeah are you in charge of the weather? If only. I could make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Saturday, May 20th, 8 until 2. Is there a rain date or anything? Nope. It's rain or shine. Okay. All right. You're intense. Of course, if it's storming, that's a different story, right? Right. But hopefully that doesn't happen. That, again, is on May hopefully. the 20th. That's a Saturday. And then looking forward to a couple of months after that, the Rice County Fair, I have to tell you, Dave, that one of my favorite spots at the Rice County Fair is on your end of the fairgrounds. All the neat things that you guys do, the kids' games from the turn of the 20th century, all kinds of great things down there. Yep. Yeah, we're we're going to be nice and busy. Um, we have an intern from Carlton that will be working with us this summer that'll be running our chat trailer that we uh, co-use with Carleton College. So we'll be trying to get some oral histories from folks about their favorite memories of the fair. Cool. We should finally have the Tin family up this year. So that'll be, that'll be exciting. And the uh, land just to the north of the museum, we're going to have some tractor shows on that land so folks will bring out their historic tractors and be showing those off so we're we're really excited 
for this year. And they are popular. I know they did an antique tractor parade over at the Cannon Valley Fairgrounds during, uh, I believe, the Cannon Falls Lions pancake event. I believe it was last summer. I mean, it was the year before. Like I say, time flies when you get older, like me, but... It was awesome, and there were so many people that stuck around to see all those old tractors. Yeah, they're great. Um, we we've got one of our one of our longtime volunteers that's coordinating it and helping us pull it all together. So we've we've got a fantastic team down here of volunteers and staff that really give a hundred and twenty percent to make every fair fantastic. That property north of the museum, there used to be a house there and I was uh yep. I was I think I was at the meeting when the county board decided to to allow you folks to use that property. Yep. So we we aren't going to be able to use it for this particular flea market. The ground still a little little too soft. People's tables would be sinking into the floor. Uh, but we're hoping that for the fall flea market, we'll be able to open up more spaces there. Like I said, during the fair, we're going to be uh, doing some tractor shows in that space. And with school tours coming up, it's a great space for us to use for them. We've also got a few events this summer that we'll probably be using that, that area for as well. When kids come and tour the museum, what seems to pique their interest the most? Oh, that's really hard to say. You know, I've seen kids get fascinated by the oddest of things. Um, gee, what what would probably be the most interesting thing? I think the thing that they tend to find the the most fascinating is obviously the Main Street, at least from the parts that I've experienced. Okay. Uh, the the Main Street display that we have down here is fantastic. Okay. Interesting. Obviously, it depends on what their interests are, too, right? If they're a sports person, they might be enjoy the Bruce Absolutely. Smith exhibit. If they're into <laughs> stunt flying or flying, there's you have an exhibit there of a stunt plane pilot that was very prominent. Yes. Was from here, right? Yep, Red Jackson uh, used to do wing walking and things like that. <laughs> so we have the propeller from his plane and and uh, some information on him. Yep. Wing walking. Now there's a guy who's daring. Yes. <laughs> and we're talking about old planes. We're not, well, even a modern plane. I don't think I'd want to do any wing walking. No, I... Uh, I'll be honest with you. You get me more than, you know, one story off the ground and I start getting nervous, let alone walking on the wing of a plane. You don't, do you enjoy flying? Uh, as long as I don't have to think about how high in the air I am. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but for some reason I was thinking that, uh, and I did some research with the Minnesota State Historical Society, the Nearstrand City Hall... Just to give you an example mm-hmm. of another building that's on the National Register. It's not in Faribault. It's not in Northfield. Obviously, it's in Nearstrand. Yep. Constructed in 1908, was placed on the National Register in 1982. Yep. Does Lon- Yeah, there was, 
there was a big push in the 70s and 80s um, by the State Historical Society and all of the county historical societies, especially in and around the bicentennial for the country, to really start capturing these historic buildings and getting them on the National Register so that they could be protected. Does Lonsdale have any that you're aware of? It does. They have the 3R Landmark. Uh, It's a two-story, technically one-room school um, out there. So their their one level is a museum. The 3R Landmark organization maintains that. And then the upper upper floor is a schoolroom. Okay. I thought maybe there might be a church there, but no church on the National Register from Lonsdale. Uh, There may be. Again, there's 73 of them. I don't have them all memorized No, no, I, I understand that. But I, I just wanted to point out that it's not uh, – Faribault, of course, has the most. And then you've got uh, Northfield, and uh, it makes some sense because we have more buildings than those smaller communities. But there are buildings throughout the entire community that are on the National Register of Historic Places. Can you think of any other yep. events you want to get the word out about here, Dave, while we've got a few minutes? Yeah, uh, one of the big, so I got a couple of big ones that we have coming up. On June 24th, we're doing a historic Olympics day. Um, basically, it's a field day for kids and families to come out and play historic games. Uh, it'll be set up in the sort of style of the Summer Olympics. You'll be able to, you know, win awards and things like that for doing really good. We have a Kids Saturday program that's going to be starting this summer. So the second Saturday in June, July, and August, we'll have kids come out and they can do uh, small archaeology digs out here or uh, doing historic games and chores as well, kind of get you in the mood for the fair. And then on June 29th, the Rice County Historical Society is having our homegrown variety show fundraiser. So we'll We'll be doing a vaudeville-style show where you'll get to see a lot of our volunteers up there playing music, doing skits. Uh, It should be a great time. So we encourage you, if you're interested, to stop in and buy your tickets. Are you going to share some of your musical expertise? Uh, My musical expertise would shatter windows and not in the good way. (laughs) Um, but I will be up there making a fool of myself in in skits and and comedy acts in my own fun way. So earlier, I had brought up the fact that Henry Mauer Rice was kind of a chyster. I did a lot of reading. You did. I did a lot of reading about him, Dave, and I have to say that I'm somewhat upset that we named our county after this guy. Number one, he never was here. So why would you name a county after somebody who has never stepped foot in your county? Do you have any ideas? Well, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. We're, we're not the only county that has something like that uh, going on. Uh, Scott County, for example, was named after General Winfield Scott, uh, who also never set foot in that county. It's, it's an interesting thing you know who who gets to pick the name of a county is uh sort of how names for counties are picked 
change by who's who's making those decisions. Here's um, the, here's the first paragraph from the Rice County Historical Society on Henry Mauer Rice. Yeah. The first paragraph says, as a trader, businessman, treaty negotiator, and legislator. Henry Mauer Rice played a crucial role in Minnesota's statehood and the development of St. Paul. At the same time, Rice was responsible for policies that benefited himself and his business partners at the expense of Minnesota's indigenous populations. Yeah. Would you want that to be the first paragraph on your bio? Certainly not. <laughs> but... At the end of the day, the thing that we have to do is tell the truth when it comes to the history of the people in our past. Of course, we're looking at it through a different lens, right? I think so, though, you know, one of the things that this kind of goes back to my point earlier about what I find the most fascinating about history is a lot of how we feel about people today, some of the things that they've done is not unique to us now. Um, there were plenty of people in the day that were calling out these sort of predatory actions that people were taking against Dakota people and and the way that people were doing things. I think people have always been of good conscience. It's just a matter of how we view them at different times. It says here that Rice quickly grew wealthy through the fur trade and land speculation. By the time he was 30, he had built connections with the Ojibwe and Ho-Chunk. Sorry, a little coughing spasm there. Through fluency in multiple languages and a canny understanding of the gift system, in 1846, these connections paid off for Rice when they asked him to represent them in Washington for the Treaty of Fond du Lac, as white settler colonists encroached on their Iowa holdings, they elected Rice to choose suitable land for hunting and farming. He selected land at Long Prairie, where he had just acquired rights to control the trade. He negotiated treaties with the Ojibwe and Fond du Lac in exchange for a lucrative federal contract to return hundreds of Ho-Chunk who had abandoned Long Prairie for $70 a head, Rice supported a delegate for Whig Zachary Taylor in 1849, likely cheaper, certainly more diplomatic than Sibley and Alexander Ramsey. Uh, just, uh, I mean, just from what I read, he wasn't the most upfront kind of guy, if you know what I'm saying. But it's neither here nor there, I guess. We'll never change it, will we? Not now. <laughs> All of our branding has the name Rice on it. <laughs> I know it. And we got a picture of him there at the courthouse, too. That's just yep. how things go. U.S. Senator from 1858 to 1863. By the way, he is buried in Oakland Cemetery in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And a lot of famous people, pioneers, are there. James Goodyear is buried there. Alexander Ramsey is buried there. Henry Sibley is buried there. And probably others yep. I didn't have time to research. Yeah, that's a, a very historic cemetery up there. Do you like uh, going to old cemeteries and stuff? Or it, It's fascinating to me to go through and just read about the people that are there. 
you know, last summer we we worked with Oak Ridge Cemetery here on the northern edge of Faribault, talking about the famous people from the the town and the county that are buried out there. Um, I don't, not a fan of just wandering through, but it's it's always fascinating to go through and and sort of learn the history of the people that are buried. Yeah, those don't, various places. don't necessarily have to be famous either, now that you mention it, right? Right. Every, every tombstone is a story. Sure is. Um, you know, uh, we, I often say down here that it doesn't matter if you're the president or if you're a regular person off the street, your story is just as important. Yeah, I like that idea about doing the oral history on the fair. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a few a few good ones. So. Oh, I'm sure you will. So again, May twentieth is the flea market, yep. and the hours. Yep, again, we're we're looking forward to it. Yep, the hours again are eight until two, and we'll hope that you get some good weather for that. Proceeds, I'm assuming, benefit the historical society, right? Uh, yeah, so we rent out spaces. The space that we rent out goes to help us down here, and then the vendors get to sell whatever they've got. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Dave, for being with me today. I know you got to get along and do some other stuff, but I sure appreciate your joining me. Thank you for having me on. It's always good to talk to you. Bad. Dave Nichols, he's the executive director of the Rice County Historical Society, and we do appreciate his time to be on our program. Oh, shoot. I think Pat Rice is coming on tomorrow. I'll talk about something coming up.